the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. Now again, I climb my ears to his word. He's entering my heart. He's giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area. He's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Please take your seat while you are greeting somebody. Tell the person congratulations for wisdom. Uh, you are very, very wise. Yes. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Right, let's start from the book of Ephesians chapter 2. I'll read from verse 1. Oh, let me see where, the, where I should. Um. Okay, let's start from verse 1. It said, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And in brackets, by grace you have been saved. And I made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. We are not our own workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we will walk in them. Please notice that we are not saved by our own works. We are saved by his own works. And for that reason, it is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Now said in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created for good works. That is, even though we are not saved by our own works, we are created for doing works. Which God beforehand prepared so that we will work in them. It's important we bear these things in mind. I want also again to just go to the book of Romans chapter 10. I want to just bring out something again from there. The book of Romans chapter 10. Now, what is that one saying? I just want to bring out something there. This time around, I'm going to be a bit, as I'm going on this subject, we'll just be jumping up and down, studying the Bible. Do you understand? And there's a reason for it. You will see, I will explain the reason in a moment. Okay? It's going to be a bit of a slow study. Uh, because I need to make some things abundantly clear to the people of God. We have to be careful that we are not doing common sense Christianity. It's very, very important. Yeah. What is common sense Christianity? You add two, two or three things together. Form your own conclusion. 
And the Bible gives you a clear-cut opinion which is different from your conclusion. I call that common sense Christianity. Do you get my point? What is common sense Christianity? God is good. Amen? Is it good? Yes. So you will never send anybody to hellfire. That is what? Common sense Christianity. Do I like hellfire? No, I don't. Who wants to go there? used to scare me to pieces when I was a student. All you needed to do to make me repent ten times in one day is to show me the film Burning Hell. I don't know how many of you ever saw Burning Hell. Uh, this generation, they didn't see Burning Hell. Once you see Burning Hell like this, you will repent again. You didn't do anything, though. No. You didn't do anything, though. No. You'll be living righteously, holy, righteous, fearing God, going to church. Then you watch Burning Hell. Who wants to give his life to Christ? You go forward. Why take a chance? Because <laughs> going to that bunny hell, I stopped giving my life to Christ when one of my classmates, Joy, I still remember, let me not give you her surname. Oh, she, it will have changed now because I'm sure she married over the years. I'm sure she married. She just saw me one day, waited patiently for me after one fellowship that um, we should walk together to the hostel. I tried my best to avoid that walk. So she now asked, she was asking me a number of questions. I asked whether I'll give my life to Christ. I said, me. Ask me how many times. <laughs> That's what you should be asking me, not whether I have or I haven't. You should be asking me how many times I've done it. That was a person that now explained to me that it's not like that. That, you know, it's not as if you give your life to Christ every day. Now, the point I'm making is that nobody wanted to go to hell. Definitely not me. But when the Bible talks about a lake of fire, Common sense takes a back seat. Because Jesus talked about it in the Gospels when he was alive. In Revelations, he was shown to John. Jesus talked about it again. So whether I like it or not, whether that makes God wicked or not, it's a problem between God and the universe. There's a lake of fire, there's a lake of fire. Let's leave it like that. Common sense Christianity is the one that tells you if God is good, how can he do that? Do you follow my point? No, that's common sense Christianity. So when God says something clearly, all right, we just have to accept what he has said and let's leave our common sense out. Now let me just read this again for completeness. He said that, um, for Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and your heart, that is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. He said, let me just complete that segment. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Please notice that. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me just stop here.
Now, what am I beginning to speak about today? I want us to understand grace properly. And why am I doing it? I believe the Holy Spirit, but I also I believe that it's part of um, I have a duty to save those who hear myself and those who hear me. I keep on saying that thing. So I have to help people balance what is well, what I understand as the truth of the word of God. Many times, you know, these discussions come up every day. You hear this expression, once saved, always saved. People have asked me, is it true or is it false? Anytime I get asked that, I tell them flat, it cannot possibly be true. Why I say straightforward that it cannot possibly be true is that I start reading scriptures from the mouth of Jesus, from the mouth of Paul, from the mouth of John. You see these people, Jesus himself speaking now. When John will be talking about the one from John, John was quoting Jesus. He wasn't, he was telling, I saw him and he said, right. Are you getting my point here? And so, and yet people will be telling me, and they'll they bring in common sense Christianity, Christianity. The other time my wife, she's part of a chat group, Christians, and they were discussing the matter. And, um, <laughs> the Lord is good. She tossed one scripture, Hebrews chapter 6. I said, what about that? In which, the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 6, that there were certain people, I'm not going to read it now, so as to save time, that they fulfilled certain criteria, they had the knowledge of God, they experienced the powers of the age to come, then they turned their backs on their faith. Are you getting my point? He says, such people, it's not possible again to renew them to repentance. So my wife dropped that. And there was one person, I think a woman, who was talking vehemently. I didn't know who was who, you know. In fact, she wasn't even sure who that person was. So they told the person, please explain this one. Because somebody else has been speaking voraciously. Is that English appropriate in that one? Been speaking and speaking. That, um, you see, I was not saved by my works. I cannot be condemned by my works. So my wife wrote, this is common sense Christianity. The Bible says this. What do you have to say? The other person said, you see, let's not be as if we are showing off our knowledge. That will have answered. My wife said, show off. We are here to learn. Okay, we forgive you or show off ahead. Please show off the knowledge till today. No reply. I have never heard anybody reply me on that particular verse. Why? There's no getting around it. Let's run our Bible story. Let's read it. The book of Hebrews chapter 6. From verse 4. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gifts and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. It is since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. That's Hebrews chapter 6. I've read from verse 4 to verse 6. You can read that in as many translations as you desire. There is no getting away from that simple thing. That is possible for somebody 
to be once a believer and then so backslide that God said, I'm not even taking back, even if he wanted to come back. Let me just give you, before you, for Satan starts scaring you at night. The person we never want to come back. Do you understand my point? There is, listen, there's a way it works. Sometimes you have to understand how spiritual things are. What's happening there? Because this, there's a spirit that pulls you. When that spirit gives up on you, you don't even have that drag. I recommend you read this book, The Final, uh, the, the Triumphant Church by Kenneth E. Hagen. It's a beautiful book. This interesting part, all the men that we learned from, the Kennedy Higgins of this world, the E.W.A. Kenyans, um, that means we learn the foundation of faith from the never persisting are here these days. I know this life again is very interesting. <laughs> I want to digress more. You know, human beings, half of the people outside, did I say half? Half is just being modest. Most of the people outside, I think they are, they are on drugs or something. <laughs> they don't listen to you, they classify you. I was shocked when the Duca told me that somebody said that I'm a hyper grace preacher. I said, Duca, don't speak further. I don't want to hear. Because that person obviously does not listen to me at all. Yes. You don't listen to me. Me. How many of you of you know me? <laughs> Hyper, Grace, this guy. The thing is that people are quarreling with me on is that I tell them there's nothing like once saved, always saved. That is one thing that marks out those who are not Hyper Grace. I said, Nduka, don't tell me further. I don't want to. He said, the person, I said, hey, sh- Nduka, figure it there, leave it there. Because these are people who are walking past. One day, Yinka took a, one of our magazines and gave to somebody. The person saw, the caption was, the main article was, Are you cursed? Then in small letters, I don't think so. Then the article was uh, to explain why. But just saw the word, cursed, I don't want to read, I don't want to read. All this cost, cost, cost matter. <laughs> Yinka told just to the lady, get away. Like, get away. Who wants to give you to read? Come chop. No, be come walk. If you raise, you, 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 you got a strong shoulder for me when I'm telling you to come and eat. Say to the person, my friend, get away from there. Give me my magazine back. No, I've done that to a man before. I came to this town newly. I went around. That's how I started ministry work. I go to bookshops, different places, put our tracks there. So one man saw me. Oh, he was impressed. Okay. What do you do? You know, it's like, um, what kind of ministry? I told him, a church? I said, no. Okay, which one do you attend? I said, I'm new in town. And literally, I was new in town. I just arrived in Enugu. I said, so I really don't have a church yet. I'm just, just, you know, just watching the town, all right? Then I used to follow my friends to the Anglican uh, church they were attending. All right, just for a few Sundays. Then, you know, then the house on the rock then was, um, it wasn't house on the rock. It was um, the word house. It was started by um, Ike Naodiachi. So he was... It was my mate in university. I attended my fellowship in his final year, you know. So, so when he was in, when we came to town, of course we went there. So we started going there, you know, things like that. So I told the man, now I'm just new in town, so I don't have a church yet, just settling in. So he said that, ah, how can you not have a church? Did you hear what I said? I just come from Lagos. The church I attended in Lagos, they don't have a branch in Enugu, and if they did, there's no guarantee I'll go there. That after all, Christians are the same. I just find where it's convenient for me, and I feel like I'm blessed people. The man says, see, that's the problem with Christianity. That you should know what you believe. I said, I know what I believe. That's why I don't need any cover to give me identity. 
He said, these tracts I give, they just know whether I, should, whether I should read it. I sl- Before I finish saying it, I snatch it. Come on, give me my tracks. I beg you to go, come, give me my tracks. Before I could finish saying, saying it, he doesn't even know what I should read. I, the way I rush the tracks for your hand. Something with no offering come out. Now only me and my wife, they give all the offering. If they take your mouth, you end up like this. <laughs> but when I provoke, collect my tracks back. I, I literally collect it back, put that from my pocket. And that's just, get away, you. A lot of you know, funny people all over town. Last time I was in radio, and... Um, Isn't and I were talking about um, what we're talking about that uh, apostle, huh? Yes, the main topic was on something else. But anyway, thanks for bringing that up. I was not speaking about faith that is dead, as against faith that is alive. I explained that salvation is by faith, but I said faith can be dead, and if if faith is dead, it is not the saving type. Do you know somebody actually called that wants to disagree with me? Why? That I said salvation is by works. I felt like saying, do they smoke in your family? <laughs> Me, on radio, said salvation is by works. He stood there and spoke and spoke. And... Isn't he wanted to cut him off? I told him, relax. Let him talk. I wanted him to talk because I know many people. He's speaking for many people. Yeah. Sorry to say, many people down there know half of the Bible. That's convenient for them. I said, this guy is speaking for them. So I wanted him to say everything that he had to say. So he spoke, but isn't he got tired after a while? I said, listen, this is a calling program. You can't hold our lines down. So she had to, you know, she was compelled to cut him off so that I had to respond. So I told the guy, first, I told him straight. Obviously, you, were not, you didn't join this program from the beginning. You, you just shocked him somewhere. <laughs> you came in somewhere and felt you needed to educate the whole world. <laughs> I didn't say the second part like that. But I told you, you didn't join from the, from the beginning. What I said, and of course, it quoted from Romans chapter 3, that we maintain that salvation, that by the works of the law, no one will be saved. I said, I totally agree with you. I said, I will totally agree with you, except that you called in and you said you wanted to disagree with me. So that is what is denying you of my total agreement. Salvation is by faith, 100%. I agree with it. But don't ever forget it. Salvation is not only by faith, it's by continued faith. Number one. Number two, there's a lot of fake faith around. And even the holder of the fake faith may be deceived into thinking his faith is real. I said, if a faith is dead, are you telling me it can still save? They were from James. I should have read that on air. You know why? Because James said, oh foolish fellow. So I've done the guy a strong one. <laughs> That's what James said. James said, oh foolish fellow. Can't you see that faith that is dead is of no use to anybody? I need to explain these things. I'm just laying up, you know, giving the introduction. The problem Christians have, I quote at school all the time, is the problem of balance. Kenneth Hagin says it's the same thing. Or he says the same thing, which is in other words. That Christians love to get up from one ditch, cross the middle, jump to the other ditch. When you're trying to pull them from one ditch, you know what happens? They come out in the middle and fall into the other ditch. When I was a little boy, you went to hell for 
anything. If your wife is still selling cigarettes, you are dying and going to hell. Now that's what one pastor told me, told us in church when I was a youth copper. He said, you are born again, you are still selling cigarettes. I found that to tell you, bros, should I tell some big men who are in heaven who smoked it? She said, all I have done is sell it. <laughs> Christians have had a problem for a very long time in trying to maintain, get a balance in everything. There was a time every little thing was hell. And I told you one of our sisters here, the church she used to attend, I said, why did you leave? She said, those people tormented me. But we grew up under those situations, I mean, those circumstances. Every little thing sent you to hell. So nobody was sure of heaven. So people began to preach assurance of salvation after some time. When the Word of Faith movement came, at least I met it in the University of Benin, those in the late 80s, well, mid-80s, when I entered the University of Benin, I met Word of Faith, and it was liberating, really. It was liberating. There was only one problem. That thing we're talking about, balance. So they said that righteousness is in the heart. You are saved by faith. And we're there. And then we saw the opposite of where we're coming from. So when we were, before, you knew Christian girls from a distance. The length of their skirts, you know, all of those kind of things, their jewelry, they didn't have. Do you get my point? Make up. Did God not make you enough? Why are you trying to make up? <laughs> I heard that preached. So we didn't go near those things. But then we now went to the extreme. The press, I remember in the University of Benin, the person that had the most garish makeup I knew on campus was a Christian. <laughs> if you ever saw John Crouch, TVN, John Crouch's makeup was something else. Now listen to me, listen to me. God doesn't send people to, really, God doesn't care whether you look like a fool. In your makeup. I really don't believe he cares, really. He doesn't care. But the other thing, you know why? Because makeup, just, it's, it can tell us you are not normal. It can tell us you are normal. It can tell us a lot of things. The other things that I believe he cares a little bit more about is clothes. They told us it didn't matter. So that men, my friend said, when he goes to some fellowship on campus, this is how he worships throughout. He can't, he can't bring his head down. Because the babes in front there, eh? You don't know what he came to church to do. My friend came back. We went to one fellowship one day. He said, Banky, now pants, that girl wear con show. Now pants. You know, he was just angry. My friend who's a oh, missionary, he was in um, one of these West African countries. He was telling my wife and I we went to their house. Said that church, said those people are very wicked. That the women don't wear bra to come to church. And they will start dancing. Now, those people, they, 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 they were not normal. They, no, those ones, they, they were not normal people. In fact, if I start telling you stories that you told us that day, you will know that uh, <laughs> those were not normal people. Now, you see, Christians just have a way of just swinging from one end to another end. They can't just sit in the middle. Now, another bad thing about Christians a lot of times, we not divide ourselves into camps. 
So, no, some, so something sad happened recently. That's what I was concerned. How many of you read my um, blog, Why James Had to Write? I didn't see anything confusing what I wrote. I wrote it, so how can it be confusing to me? All right? But those of you who read it, did it, was it clear? Please, I don't know. If it's confusing, let me know. I'll go and withdraw it and rewrite it. I, I thought I made it clear what I was trying to do. Let me say something to you. Martin Luther did not like the book of James. And, of course, obviously, obviously misunderstood it. And why didn't he like the book of James? It was because James said something about works. And Luther was coming out from a background in which everything was works. Like in today's Christianity, every prosperity is what you can give to God. Do you understand my point? Of course, we all know that's not Bible. We just, we didn't know anything, just took us all, you know, all of us just got caught into it. Now, Martin Luther, coming from that background, he said, justification is by faith. So you know what he called the book of James? The epistle of straw. Yeah, so that epistle is made of straw. He was angry. Of course, he was reacting, and it's not his spirit, he's a human being like you and I, so he probably didn't understand. Well, he read different ones, different ones of his teachings. Some of them, he would speak well of James, but he was known for calling it the epistle of straw. He had all kinds of things to say against the epistle. But of course, I think he calmed down later in life. And then if you understand the book of James, you know there is no problem with the book of James. Like I said in that blog, you can misunderstand Paul. I have a book in my house. I had to verify that it's the book I was quoting. And that book is with my son now. And the book is titled, um, When Being Good is Not Good Enough. The man said, if the gospel of righteousness by faith has not been confused with lawlessness, say you probably are not preaching the true gospel. Gospel, He said, because it so easily appears like lawlessness. He was, he was not saying it's lawlessness. He said it's easy to confuse with it. And you see something. Peter was speaking. He was talking about the letters of Paul. He said, according as our brother Paul has written to you in, as in many of his epistles, of which he said some things are hard to understand. And he said the unlearned, they twist them to their own destruction. Paul was very easy to twist. I saw brethren twist Paul. I saw brethren twist Paul, and they are still twisting Paul till today. What do I mean by that? A friend of mine the other day, another friend of his, did him strong. You know what they call strong thing? He did him a strong thing. Took his money. Actually, it's not his money. Church money. There was a project. So he said, oh, our friend can... My, this is my, my bosom friend. He can't help us with it. So church gathered money and sent to him some thousands of dollars, U.S. dollars. Plenty of money. Nothing less than... I mean, like, some dollars. Nothing less than $10,000. No, good money. Now, that was the last of the story they heard. So one day I called the bro. Bro, how far now with our money or with our job? Stories here and there. So one day, my friend said, listen, I will report you to EFCCO. So if you ever come to Nigeria again, they will arrest you. You know what he said? How can a Christian drag another Christian to court? Is that what the Bible says? There are scriptures you never quote in your own case. 
Then one day, the bro decided that he's not dragging him out to the FCC. So he just told the guy simply. He said, you know, as long as he said, that money belongs to the people of God. They gathered it out of their sweat. They put it together. You held their money two years past. He said, you know, as long as that money is in your hands, it has repercussions. Everything you do with financially will not go forward. You know what he said? All my curses have been wiped away in Christ. Can you see what I'm saying there? No, I, I read through my Bible again for, for certain reasons over the last few days in this area. Part, part of the reason being that I know I'll, I'll be teaching this one today. And I said, are people blind? Paul, you choose to twist him because you love to twist him. Paul is clear enough. Paul will tell you, don't brag. People before you came, God cut them off. He said, you should fear. You will see some of this gospel of uh, fall save, always save. One of the major things it does is to kill the fear of God. And Paul never gave that impression. Paul will tell you, work out your salvation with what? We can't start cracking jokes like uh, fear does not mean to be afraid. It means to have reverence. Lie. The Greek word for fear means fear. The French word for fear means fear. The Igbo word for fear means fear. The Yoruba word for fear, eru, it means fear. It doesn't mean reverence. Jesus warned people, he said, fear God. He said, they threaten to burn you. They can only burn your body. People have told me things like, you know, God will never deny, Jesus will never deny himself. Even if we are not faithful, he is faithful. They don't read the whole portion. That portion said, if we deny him, he will deny us. It was the first thing he said. <laughs> you know the first truth? That was the first thing he said. He was to Timothy. He said, <laughs> he said, God is good. He said, if, he said, if we deny him, what will he do? He will deny us. So when I started hearing all kinds of things, people telling me, I was not saved by my works. I can't be condemned by my works. I wonder which Bible they read. Now, this was leading to some of these talk we are having to talk. When you hear Christians sometimes, you don't understand. The truth is that balance, like I said, is a key to life. That's just what it is. Now, now another thing, let me quickly answer it. Because we'll go on and we'll keep answering these things. Does Jesus wipe people's names from the book of life? He said, no, he doesn't do that. I said, the Bible says he does. He told the people that Revelation chapter 3, is it, that's the church in Sad, is it Sadis? Yes. He told them, to him who overcomes, I will not erase his name from the book. You understand? And people say that it was, you know, I mean, for me, how else do you interpret that? What does it mean? If you don't overcome, your name is off. The only thing I'll tell people is that he's not quick to do it. He doesn't do it all the time. It's not his favorite pastime. But like he wrote to Timothy, when we deny him, he denies us. There is no, no, I think I should read that. It's going to help people understand 2 Timothy chapter 2. From verse 11. This is trustworthy statement. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, complete that for me. He will also deny us. If we are faithless, 
he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. But he denies people who deny him. Is that not why he said, in the last day, many people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we were not your church members. Did we not become deacons in your name? We were not promoted to be pastors in your name. And you will say, who, who are you? Sorry, I never knew you. Why? You are a worker of iniquity. It was Jesus that said that to, not me. That for being a worker of iniquity, I am good. I, I, look, and the truth is that he will let the person rise in church if that's where he wants to rise. How he wants to rise. Go ahead, rise in church. Because rising in church is about regular tithes and offerings. Come to church meeting regularly, learn how to lead prayer, you know, learn some activity. Then when the community prepares Bible study, hold it and lead the Bible study. And you stand to all your branches. You are the bishop. So you'll be in the rural branch. You're a criminal, but you're the senior pastor. But he said something clearly here. You will see that Jesus can deny people. Don't give me the impression that he can. You know, I keep on saying that let's get this out of our heads. That the Lord is one soft, soft, nice, nice guy. That's not what he is. The Bible says there is tenderness with him. There is kindness with him. Both of them are in him. He said, behold the sternness and the kindness of our God. That's just the way he is. Inside you find sternness. Inside you find kindness. Then you choose the one you want to drink of. That's your choice. You don't push it to him and can't say, you know, he's faithful, he's faithful. He said, I'm faithful to kill people who want to be killed. And I'm also faithful to bless people who want to be blessed. Who are they? That's what I'm discussing today, first of all, to start this series. No, I read those portions we read just to bring out an issue. And that's the fact that I want to emphasize to people that I believe the Bible teaches that salvation is by what? Faith. It's not by our works. It's not by our works. At all, it's not by our works. I know it. I believe it 100%. However, you know what our mistake has been? The meaning of the word believe. We have misunderstood it. Someone asked me a question some time ago. And it made me think. And actually, you should believe it. Have you ever heard? Okay, let me ask you. Is repentance necessary for salvation? Now, don't answer. Don't answer. I think... The ones that this hall is already divided. And, you know, some will say no. That faith is what is necessary. Some will say yes. You need repentance. Do you know? After I asked that, I got asked that question. I went to, I now went home to go and sit down and say, wait. I remember those days we used to read. I remember Watchmanee, E.W. Kenyon. They made statements like, it is faith. Once you believe. If I remember, I think it was Watchmanee that explained that. Once somebody like accepts, you know, Jesus is Lord and all of that, and all that, the person is saved. That's what makes you a Christian. And of course, I still believe it till today, and it's true. But there's something we keep on forgetting. Some things are so tied together, God does not need to emphasize any one of them. Let me explain what I'm say here. Now, Paul, as an example, kept on telling you what? Salvation is by faith. That's why I read different portions. I read from Ephesians chapter 2, went to Romans chapter 10. Paul wrote both of them. And in both, they use the word faith, believe. Faith, believe. He used both, both words to explain how we get salvation. And you see the word repentance is conspicuously missing. So people will not tell you that it's not about repentance, it's about faith. <laughs> but when one of our brothers asked me that question, I gave me the very simple answer. He said, repentance is necessary for salvation. I said, there is no faith without repentance. There is no faith without repentance. 
And why Paul didn't use to emphasize it was that he didn't, he didn't realize he needed to. Paul didn't see why he should. He like said, look, deep in the water and come. He said, must I get wet? The man will ask you, what is wrong with you? I said, deep in the water and come. Naaman went into the water seven times. You ask him whether he got wet. Did Elisha have to tell Naaman, make sure your skin is soaked. Make sure you get wet. He said, deep in the Jordan seven times. He didn't have to emphasize to, uh, to Naaman that it's, it's crucial for this healing process that you got wet. It was a clear cut thing that if I dip a man in water, he gets wet. So Englishman says, you cannot separate wet from water. And when we try to separate repentance from believing, that's precisely what we're trying to do. And the reason why Paul never used to emphasize one, all right, sometimes, when he's speaking about the other, both of them go together. So I decided to just look through my Bible and find out scriptures. <laughs> and I found out that my brethren... Jesus commanded it clearly. Paul said this was the message I was taught to go and teach. Let me, let me, let me, I wrote the scriptures down. If you read from Mark chapter 1, for time's sake, we won't read all of them. I'll just quote them. In Mark chapter 1, from verse 14, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, this is the, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and, no, read it now, repent and, ah, are you afraid to read your own Bible? Repent and believe in the gospel. Did you see how Jesus tied it together? There's no believing without repentance. That's what Jesus said. Repent and believe in the gospel. If you read Mark chapter 6 from verse 12, and they went out and preached that men should repent. If you go to Acts chapter 2, you see it. Peter said to them, Repent and let each one of you be baptized. I'm just giving a few examples. Let me just go to that Acts chapter 5. No, let me start first from um, Luke chapter 24, verse 46. So then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the third dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. He said repentance and remission of sins. So you go somewhere else. Paul will just be talking about belief. Listen to me. I'm going to talk about belief today. Let's continue reading. That Acts chapter 5, verse 31. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel. And forgiveness of sins. Can you see that? What is he granting? Repentance. <laughs> I can continue for time's sake. Let me just rush through. You also find it in Acts chapter 11. If God therefore gave to them the same gift as Peter was reporting what happened in the house of Cornelius. If God therefore gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus. Who was I that I should stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, 
God has granted the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Are you see what I'm saying here? God has granted the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Now, you see where I'm going. I've, I've not spoken much about the ones that talk about faith and believing. Simply because I want to emphasize to us that the Bible emphasizes repentance as a process of salvation. And why Paul many times would emphasize that he didn't realize he needed to. He didn't know a generation is going to come that will start explaining that you can be born again without repenting. It didn't cross his mind that he needed to tell people. Some things are just simple knowledge. He didn't finish right that. Look, guys, bear it in mind, though. God is not your neighbor. He's God creator. I mean, when you use the word God, do you think he was your president? In the same manner, when the man was teaching on believing, he did not cross his mind that he needed to be emphasized to people that he goes with repentance. He thought every Tom Dick and Harry realized that the word believe is not just to agree. And I'm going to talk about that too. That's, what I, that's my message for today. Believe does not mean to agree. That's what we must get. Believe does not, it's not the same thing that I agree. Okay, I've heard it. And that's why James had to say, if it was, then all the demons are saved. I don't know whether you're getting the point. That was what James had to say. Okay, if that's the case, then all the demons are saved. Because there is no fact you are giving they don't acknowledge. He died to re- save the whole world, the whole universe from their sins. They, they agree with you. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Are they doubting it? Can they doubt it? They are witnesses. Say you, you, they told you the story. The demons can reconstruct for you what happened. James now said, ah, because of that, are they now saved? 